All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back to episode nine of Heart of the Order, brought to you by ThoughtsFromTheBench.com. My name is Greg McAfee. I'm hitting in the three hole, and I'm here with co-host Greg Malik hitting the four hole, and Trey Fry hitting in the five hole, and we are the Heart of the Order. It's been an exciting week of baseball in the major leagues this week. A lot of things going on. The World Series champions got their rings. Yes, the Boston Red Sox got their World Series championship rings. Um, there have been some MVPs doing MVP-type things, um, some young players making names for themselves or continuing to make names for themselves. Some teams have come out of nowhere to take a, the lead in their division. There's been a lot of things going on. We recap it all in this week's episode of Heart of the Order. Stay tuned. The win of the year for the Boston Red Sox. My, my, what a catch by Kermeyer. Falling too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling his vultures. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Race, race, race. All right, we're back. Episode 9 of Heart of the Order. I'm here with co-host Greg Malik and Dre Fry. Boys, just to start off, it's the second week of the season. Well, like week one, one and a half weeks, two weeks. I don't know how you guys want to qualify it, but what are you thinking of this season so far, guys? I mean, baseball is back. It's the best time of the season. Um, the yeah. March, March Madness is over. Masters are on Sunday. Soon enough, baseball will be the only sport going on. So what did you guys think? Well, so far to start the season, uh, it's definitely been on its hair. It's some surprising moments, I must say. Uh, I mean, we were touching on this, I think, last week. The the two things that really caught my eye, The and by the way, I'm saying two because I know in production meeting we, I had one, but I just thought of another one. So apologies. And, in the I mean, that. the, that's the best but part about the production meetings. It drums up ideas. That is the best. It, it is. <laughs> it, brings back, it brings back. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I want to touch on is Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Dodgers is off to a ridiculous start. Uh, I saw that he is hitting a 435 average, seven home runs, I believe 20 RBIs right now. Mm-hmm. And I was on record saying that I thought Corey Seager was a dark horse candidate to win the MVP this year. Cody Bellinger might be getting up there too. And we forget about this too. He's 23 years old. He's a young as a kid. He is a, he is super young and people like completely forget about that because that Dodgers lineup is, it's a weird combination of misfit toys that no one thinks about. But then mm-hmm. there's also some young guys in there that are just like, wow, I forgot how good he is. And he can, yeah. another, he, can, he can literally play all over the field defensively too. Like you see him at first base center field, like all over the outfield. He's all over the place. Which is something yeah. you don't see from a guy because yeah. you would think mm-hmm. a first baseman and a center fielder are like two polar opposites of the spectrum in terms yeah. of defensive capabilities. So it, it's a weird type of player that he is, but he is off to a ridiculous offensive start. When Corey Seager, for the record, is too. But uh, the second uh, story that I wanted to touch on is this is a guy that I remember in our AL East preview I said was going to be needed as a huge contributor this year, and he has really stepped up for the New York Yankees. Gary Sanchez, man. Yeah. Gary Sanchez has been on a roll in terms of finally getting those power numbers back up to where he needs to be in that lineup. And it culminated this past Sunday in a smacking of the Baltimore Orioles where he hit three home runs in that one game. And he is picking up exactly where we all thought he could be, where the Yankees fans thought he could be. And it's definitely a good sign, especially – with John Carlos Stanton injured right now, they needed to get production somewhere, and they've really been getting uh, some uptick from him. And also, a low-key guy who's been getting some playing time with Stanton now, uh, Clint Frazier, a guy who yeah. I really liked when he was with the Indians, and I'm glad he's getting some playing time, especially after injury issues he's had the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, the thing about Clint Frazier. Uh, one thing we definitely talked about in that ALE's preview was can he be healthy? And we said that he, if he was healthy, was he going to have a chance to make an impact? So it's unfortunately that Giancarlo's out, but it's also a plus, it's also a little bit of a right side to see a guy like Clint Frazier get his finally get his shot 
and, uh, you know, try to help this Yankees team stay afloat because it's not just Stanton who's injured, guys. It's, they got, it's they got a bunch of injuries. Whole, they have a bunch yeah. of injuries. It's all over the place, lot. man. <laughs> Severine, Sever, their whole, like, half of their starting half of their starting 25-man roster is just out. Yeah. It, yeah. It's crazy. I've never seen a team so ravaged by injuries this early mm-hmm. in the season. It's Clint, Frazier is play, Clint Frazier is playing himself into a starting position for another team as a guy, as a – premium trade ship for someone to look after and i i can appreciate that yeah and it's fine i mean they got a bunch of like young guys as well that are coming up through the system and you know they in the past the I th- the yankees have always been one of those teams where they kind of have a mixture of stuff they build guys up through the system i mean they had the the generation of Derek jeter bernie williams jorge posada mo um and they kind of have these these core guys like aaron judge torres um, Andujar, um, and they have been able to add through free agency and stuff. And they have this guy um, who I've been impressed by so far. His strikeout numbers are a little high, but Luke Voigt um, has been good. He's got nine RBIs, two home runs. He had a good like first couple of games of the season. Um, so I mean, they're yeah, like they could be. I mean, they could be. I mean, they're they're one of the top teams. Um, but yeah. seeing them, I mean, and seeing these young guys contribute is awesome to see. We we kind of joke about the the Yankees being the evil empire in baseball, and there yeah. is some truth to that because of the ungodly contracts and all that. But people forget too; their biggest success was when they drafted and developed a lot of those guys, mm-hmm. because that core that core that you talk about with Posada and Jeter and Rivera that was those were drafted from yep. the years when Steinbrenner was essentially you know ostracized from baseball, and they had to essentially draft and develop. So that's mm-hmm. something that you needed to be able to do, and that's something Cashman, to his credit has really done a good job at the last couple of years because a lot of the guys that he trades for, he uses the stockpiling of the farm system that he has. And it's an underrated thing that they have too. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. Dre, yeah. Dre, I mean, we we all know that you, you are very high on the Rays and we talked, you didn't want to touch on it as your like favorite moment of the week. But, you know, if it's not the Rays and how well they've been playing leading the AL East, what is it? Well, you know, uh, I was very bullish on the Rays, as you guys know. Crazy, very bullish. Very bullish. Very bullish. It 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 should go every week that me, uh, every time I speak regarding this segment, is automatic time to praise the Rays, and they'll get their due, you know. But I'm gonna stick to I'm gonna stick to I'm gonna stick to two moments here. I'm gonna also pick two. one I kind of forgot about just because of the timeline, and the other one was more recent. Uh, so we're gonna go with the, or we're gonna go with the one the timeline, and that is Bryce Harper's first game back in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Guys, he, oh, it yeah. started on it started on Tuesday, and it was before we recorded. And he goes there and is absolutely booed like crazy. You know, I mean, he essentially just, I mean, he made a decision for himself. But as a fan, you're sitting there, you want to boo the crap out of him just because he left your franchise and you thought, you know, like he betrayed you because not only did he leave. Went to a division rival in the Philadelphia Phillies. Max Scherzer made him look stupid on his first at bat too, which he, was hilarious. He, he definitely did, and that mm-hmm. goes to show the nastiness of Max Scherzer. And you know he's fun to watch because we we sung his praises so many times. But the awesome thing that I want to take away from this is his last at bat and that bat Ooh. flip with the Ooh. homer. Ooh. Oh my goodness, Ooh. guys! That was a, <laughs> that was an absolute savage moment, and it was awesome at the same time because if. Again, I like Bryce Harper, and I know he understands a very polarizing figure in this game because of how he approaches it. It's borderline cockiness and confidence. You know, he always takes that line. You know, he's a very boisterous player, uh, and, you know, it goes against the grains of uh, how some of these old-time baseball guys think. But that was the sexiest bat flip I've ever oh. seen in my life. <laughs> oh, God. was it? So it was better than Batista's bat, bat flip a couple years ago? All right. It was the <laughs> – it was nice. I mean, it was nice, but like yeah, that one goes down as my favorite of all time. I don't think he even planned it to do that either. Yeah. I think it just kind of like I, I think he just meant to turn it, and then all of a sudden it just kind of went its own way. It was the greatest accidental backflip ever. <laughs> the the Batista, the Batista one, the Batista one, just for the dramatics and the timing, like that's playoff time. There's oh no, yeah, Without there's never going to be a better backflip than that, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But you know, we're talking about a regular season game where we touched on this last week with, you know, let the kids play. And then Bryce Harper goes there, gets food, does his normal stuff, you know, like his bow to the crowd. And, you know, he kind of saluted them. There was a mix of boos and cheers with the last one. Oh, the bat flip was just awesome. You know, the cat, cat, 
caps off a caps off a night where you know he was going through a roller coaster of emotions. The second, the second best thing I saw, guys, and you know, Bryce Harper in a big time contract. You know, we're gonna go to the best, the actual best player in baseball, and Mike Trout and him robbing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The NL MVP of a homer. My goodness, he just straight up told Christian Yelich, "I'm the real MVP." <laughs> by taking that away, don't come into my house with your hardware and try to outdo me. Oh man! And you know, Mike Trout—he's a respectable guy, respected player in the game. You know, Christian Yelich, you know, again took it in stride, just took his helmet off, salute him because he knew what the deal was, guys. Mike Trout, absolutely incredible. I know it's kind of a cop out because it's Mike Trout. He does absolutely incredible things every single night. This guy already—he's. He's creating runs. He's an OPS plus of 320. I mean, like, how many how many That's times ridiculous. how many times yeah. have we seen him like rob a home run like that too? Like, it's become like just a routine thing for Mike Trout of his ability to rob home runs like that in that stadium. It's ridiculous. He makes it look so easy. He does, but to do it off the MVP, yeah, it's just like you know, like I, you're good. But I'm gonna show you, I'm just that much better. Exactly. I had flashbacks to when uh, in the All Star game where Tory Hunter robbed Barry Bonds of a home oh. run for some reason. I, <laughs> I I don't know why, but that's just kind of like when I saw that highlight this week, I was like, you know what? That kind that's what like it makes me remind myself of just because of the fact that it's against the Brewers and that All Star game was in Milwaukee for some reason. Yeah. But it, it was great. It was, and I remember that moment. Uh, you know, Barry Bonds went over to Tory Hunter, picked him up over his shoulders, you know, took him to stride. <laughs> but then Barry's second to bat, he's like, Tory, you ain't catching this one. Smacked it all the way up in the third deck. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was a great moment, I will say that. Uh, pl- yeah, I mean, pl- trial, baby. plenty of great moments awesome. um, through the first week and a half. One Before I get into my, like, one or two, there is one I wanted to touch on, and that's Minnesota Twins shortstop Jorge Polanco hitting the first cycle of the season. Um, he went five for five, one home run, one RBI, one run. Um, I mean, whenever you hit a cycle, it's it's something to it's one of the hardest things to do in baseball. Um, other than I would I would Absolutely. I would put it up there with a perfect game. I would put it up there with a no hitter, um, all that. I mean, so whenever that happens, you got you got to throw out a little recognition um, for a player for a player doing that. But I think you Very got underrated player too. By the yeah, way. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I threw him in. I threw him in my fantasy lineup. I picked him up in a couple of my leagues. I'm not gonna lie. Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless, like plug. Shameless plug. Uh, but I mean, as we as we talked in the in our pre-production meeting, guys, um, I think you both know where I'm going with this one. Uh, my favorite moment actually happened today. We are recording on Tuesday, guys. Um, Tuesday evening. So after the Red Sox lost and uh, botched another game. Um, Mookie Betts strikes out with two guys on and two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Um, but the Red Sox obviously getting the World Series rings today, playing their having their home opener um, after an 11 game West Coast road trip to start off the season. That's never a fun way to start off a season, but seeing these guys get their rings, um, something awesome to see after a great 2018 season. Um, but one thing that kind of highlighted it for me was. Dustin Pedroia coming off the injured list. I mean, he this guy is one of my favorite players of all time, and he will go down as one of my favorite players of all time just because, you know, throughout his career he's been um, underrated, I guess you could say, just because of his size. I mean, even when he was at Arizona State coming up through the system, um, he was always, you know, overlooked because of his size, and he always outperformed everyone, winning Rookie of the Year, winning the MVP the next year. Um, just hitting lights out numbers. And he has this like cockiness to him, this swaggerness to him that he doesn't have as much anymore just because he's older. But when he was younger, he was always just attacking guys, talking trash on the bases, talking trash to other teams. One of my favorite players of all time. I mean, it was awesome to see him back out on the field today. Uh, I came up with a big hit in the ninth, his first of the season. Um, awesome to see, guys. Awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. And Pedroia was ahead of his time, too, when it came to uh, the whole idea of not – you know, looking at guys just because of their size and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was the first one. I mean, after that, that's where the Jose Altuve's of the world essentially kind of rose up, and now baseball is kind of flooded with guys who might not be the, you know, peak like size and height-wise that you want for a player, but if they can play, then you put them out there and they will produce for you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like honestly, it sounds like when you describe uh, your feelings with Dustin Pedroia and Mac, I kind of get the, I I can empathize with you because I feel the exact same way about a guy by Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, uh, you know he's not a pirate anymore, but I always have love for him because of everything he's done and the way he played the game. You know the way he made me feel as not only a baseball fan but as a a pirate fan. And for you as a Red Sox fan, I can I can definitely relate to this. So you know that that's. That's wonderful for you to feel that. And then, you know, to have that happen on the same day you get to celebrate your 2018 World Series championship. Like, you know, it's just – it. It's something I want. I know I'm never going to have because you're going to cut some probably (laughs) World Series, uh, we won't talk about that with the Pirates just because, you know, uh, I'll be – I can go on for hours about that. But, yeah, we, we, we only got so much time. Things I will say about the Red Sox opener: number one, the rings are very clean. Yes, I must say they the are ring, clean. The ring, the rings are not—they're not over the top. They're not gaudy or anything. They're—they're they're just the right amount that it's something that you can appreciate too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing, I love the gold trim. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those uh, are always that's, nice. That's, that's that's a classy look right there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Red Sox may have lost today, but they look good today. So. That's that's a pretty good thing to do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they haven't they haven't looked good so far this season, guys. I mean, it's it's something that we got to touch on. I think it's one of the biggest stories in the MLB right now. Um, and I kind of, as a Red Sox fan, I don't know how to I don't know how to feel yet. Like I'm not nervous just because it's they're what two and nine right now. So they're eleven games into the they're, what yeah two and nine right now three and nine somewhere somewhere in there. Um, eleven twelve games into the season, but like I don't know how to feel. Like I'm not nervous yet, but. Like I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's happening. I, so, I can, so I give me your thoughts, guys. From an outsider's perspective, give me your thoughts. I would, I would definitely be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, that is the best way to really describe it. Uh, the reason why I would be up, uh, I shouldn't say cautiously optimistic. I should say optimistically cautious, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> that different? Uh, I'm, I'm flipping the words. Uh, you know, you got to be optimistic because it's early, guys. It's mm-hmm. April. You know, uh, you know they just got their rings today. They like you, like you touched on Mac. They had an 11 game road trip until they finally, you know, I, I'm heard of, I'm heard of again how uh, Major League Baseball opens up a season in Japan uh, to go on the other side of the spectrum. For me, it's unheard of to have a team like the Red Sox and the Cubs also did it, just open up on the road for, you know, be on the road for like nine straight games or yeah. so. And it, you know, it's just, you don't see those kind of things. Usually, you know, it's a short road trip and then back home the next week, we're talking two, three weeks into the season and they're finally home. Mm-hmm. You know, that takes a toll. That takes a toll on the team. So, you know, their schedule is very tough out the gate and uh, as world series champions, you know, you got to be prepared for that. But, at the same time, they're still celebrating, man. It's a hangover. Yeah. It's a long, long season. It's April, so you know uh, we'll see what happens come the summer months when the weather heats up. You would think that the Red Sox would be able to, uh, you know, with their lineup as well. Would be cautious though, however, regarding one particular person, a guy you're going to have to lean on a lot, yeah, yeah. and that's Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not realize this until today, but Chris Sale so far early on has lost an average of four yep. miles per hour on his fastball yep. and that is not good you do yep. not want to see that from your ace he's only you got like see... he's only got like two swing and misses too this season so yeah. far and like it's, three starts yeah good. it's not that good at all not good at all and you know he's the guy he, he's the guy that you have to lean on in order to you know bring this team out of the basement and you know i know the yankees are hurting right now but they still got guys i mean uh you know, Malik touched on Gary Sanchez, and Giancarlo will be back, and they still got Judge. They got Labor. Like they're stacked. It's still at the same time as much as it hurts, they're stacked. And the Rays, I've been singing the praises of the Rays, for, <laughs> you know, for two weeks. And mm-hmm. the crazy thing is, is they're healthy, so you know they're in a hole. But if anyone can get out of this hole, it's the Red Sox guys. Chris Sale just gonna find his stuff, and I think they'll be okay because it looks like the rest of it looks like the rest of uh, their pieces are there. They're just getting off to a slow start because they're still celebrating, and that's okay. One of the big reasons that I, I think I, I'd be optimistic too is that they haven't gotten a chance to play the Orioles yet. So <laughs> I, I think that I think I think those are going to add up some uh, some nice W's for you. But um, 
No, looking at this team, I, I'm right there with Dre. Uh, Chris Sale has really kind of lost a step a little bit. It kind of reminds me of when Verlander had his struggles too. Oh, mm-hmm. that's yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, Verland, they can, Ver- yeah, they compared. Yeah, Verlander they can... lost a little bit of his stuff, and uh, I mean, even if you don't have the same mileage on your fastball as much as you used to, you could rely on a lot of your off-speed stuff to be able to, you know, you know, get guys out if you want to. I mean, that's not, that's kind of the trend now that we're seeing in Major League Baseball where fastball usage has actually tried to go down and stuff the astros are the ones that essentially kind of created that movement now to use more of your breaking pitches to get strikeouts and it clearly worked out for them i mean hello world series rings right but yeah Yeah. but but looking at the red sox uh, i will say um i personally think that it's a little foolish to be expecting the same type of offensive production that we saw last year just because Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez had probably one of the two greatest seasons we will ever see. It's natural for them to maybe take a step backwards, to be honest with you. I yeah. mean, it's not like – I don't think it's going to be drastic by any means, but I think it's a small step back. It's not something yeah. that is a sustainable thing. But I, I will say this, and this is something that we brought up during the A.L.E.S. preview, man. That bullpen is going to be something that's really going to hurt you guys for the rest of the way. But it's the, they have one of the best bullpens in the league right now, though. They've only uh, – I mean, yeah, like, I mean, numbers-wise, numbers-wise, I'm saying. Reason, I, like, reason, <laughs> yeah, but the reason, though, is because of the fact that you're starting to face so many earned runs. The, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, the, the bullpen hasn't really had any, you know, tough situations the, to try to work themselves out the of. Long ge- the longevity of that. Yeah. Yeah, the longevity of that is uh is first to be seen. We'll see about how yeah. well because they yeah, don't even your, have like your, your number one priority is getting the rotation in order. And with Sale pitching the way he is, with David Price giving up I think eight earned runs in his first two starts and all that, it's it's something that's going to be a little tough to get worked on too. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're minus twenty eight in the run differential, and you don't no. want to see that. No, that's not, not at all. Good. It's not good at all. That doesn't win games, especially in the American League when you need your pitching to kind of, you know, step up and get outs because unlike the National League, there's no real guaranteed outs with the pitcher. Right. Yeah. I mean, so run like differential is, run differential is arguably the most important stat in the American League when you think about it, because your entire lineup is built with hitters. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. So that's why, that's kind of the best way to look at if uh, if a team is actually doing as well as they should be. I mean, it was it's just I was I was I watched the whole game today, so it was the first like entire game that I could actually sit through this season because they've just been playing so bad. Um, and there was a well, couple. That and it was on ESPN. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that as well. <laughs> um, but there were there were a few things that kind of stuck out to me. Um, the first thing was. Um, it is early in the season, obviously, for Chris Sale. He didn't have too much of a work ro- workload in the spring training. Alex Cora was saying, you know, he's got it in him. He's got it in him to get that velocity back up. It's just going to take a little bit because um, they're they're trying to ease into the season so they have him there um, at the end of the season. Um, in the past, he hasn't really been able to last an entire season. You saw him last year. He, he sat out or was hurt through the last, like, probably month and a half of the season. Um, hurt his chances at the Cy Young. But another thing, Dre, it was funny that you mentioned the hang, the World Series hangover. Um, another, he had a quote today that was like, uh, the only hangover I know is when you drink too much beer and have a headache in the morning. Um, <laughs> so there, there's, there's no World Series hangover for the Red Sox. But the one thing that he kind of pointed out the most was that they don't have um, a sharpness to them. Um, they're not. They're not actually like playing good baseball. Um, I mean, you saw Bogarts probably got thrown out twice against the A's in that series um, by their center fielder, who's got a f- cannon. I can't remember his name. His name is slipping my mind right now. But Oakland's for the Blue. He's on for the Blue Jays. No, for uh, Oakland, the Athletics. Oh. He's he's got a okay. cannon. He threw out Bogarts twice um in their series in one game. Um is when Bogarts tried to extend a, a double into a triple or was tagging on second and advancing. But just to kind of put this in even more of a perspective, they outside of sale, I mean, price has been okay. Um he's got like thirteen K's and two starts. Um but Eduardo Nunez has a better ERA than Rick Porcello. Just to put it into perspective for you guys, Eduardo Nunez, who is an infielder, a position player, has a better ERA than Rick Porcello. Yeah. <laughs> Former Cy Young winner, by the way. Um, it's just that I mean that just kind of puts it in perspective. He hasn't been that guy that was there, and or I'm not talking about Porcello, but Eovaldi hasn't really been that guy either that he was in Game Three of the World Series last year. Um, so I mean I think the guy, they will come around eventually. I'm not nervous yet. Um, give it like two or three more weeks. We'll see how I feel then. 
But I mean, they're still the 2018 World Series champs, so we'll just leave it. Yeah. At that. <laughs> Talk about Mac, circus, Mac, man. Mac, like, I, I feel like you, Yeah, I was gonna say, Mac. I feel like you're kind of the one in the hangover right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, so, it just sounds like to me there's a hangover. That's all, and that's yeah. fine. If mm-hmm. there's a hangover, you know, if it happens, if it happens. Say the right things. It, it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. It happens to every team and every sport. No team really comes out the following year after you know, after a championship and just comes out of the gate swinging. Like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. And the reason why, part of the reason why you can attribute to the hangover, but the other part of the reason is the the opponents. We just still remember the guys across from them, the, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit gassed up, you know. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. we're playing the World Series champions, you know. Let's, try, let's use them to make a statement. And right now, you have three or four teams using them to make a statement. I mean, Plus, I, I will I will say there is something to be said about starting your season off on the West Coast for yeah. a good stretch like Especially that. Especially 11 games. That's a ridiculous. 11 games. That's a like, ridiculous yeah, you're road trip. Di- you're going to a whole different time zone and stuff. you got to have yeah. different preparation to go with it. I, I do think there is a little bit of something to go along with that, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, just, you know, I'd be cautious, but again, I'd be optimistic. It's very early, you know, so Red Sox faithful, including you, Matt, pump the brakes a little bit. But at the same time, you got to hope guys like Chris Sale find their stuff. And it's not their offense, clearly, by this team ERA of 6.35. It's their pitching. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> they'll, I think they'll find it now that they're back home, you know, settled in off that crazy 11-game road stand, you know, on the West Coast in Japan. I believe, weren't they in Japan? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no, no. That, was, that wasn't um, them. That was the A's in, that was the A's in tomorrow. Uh, Mariners, Mariners. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so my apologies there, but you know, they're home, you know, they got the rings, so getting the ring really kind of officially closes that chapter, Yeah, you think about it. Like, mm-hmm. now it's official, you know, you can kind of put that behind you, because that, that kind of brings the whole season back, that kind of brings all the feeling back of, you know, winning the championship, and when you finally get that ring, you know, the piece of hardware that solidifies your legacy forever, you know, you can kind of say, you know, we did it last year. You know, but it's game it's game eleven, game twelve. I, I, I have a feeling they'll be okay. Oh yeah. I mean we'll be good. And just to kind of move on, we'll, we can move on from the Red Sox and we can mo- actually move on to your guys' team, the Pirates, um, who, you know, opposite of the Red Sox have one of the best pitching staffs, starting pitching staffs in baseball right now. Um, I think they have a an ERA of around what, one point two eight, guys correct me if I'm wrong, but yes. it's, it's somewhere yeah. around there. Well, but, opposite of them, their offense is very, very yeah. tough. <laughs> but uh, expect that best. Yes, yeah. but they were they were involved in a um, benches clearing brawl this weekend. I'm sure if you guys are listening now, you you have heard about this, saw the video, things like that. If not, check out my check out my article on thoughtsfromthebench.com. Um, but suspensions were uh, handed down today. Um, Yasiel Puig, who could Yasiel Puig and uh, David Bell were both or Puig was given two games. David Bell was given one game. Chris Archer, who wasn't thrown out during the game, he wasn't injected, received five game five games. Guys, give me your thoughts on these suspensions, the situation as a whole. Um yeah. What did you, what did you so, think of these suspensions? Yeah, give me give me that. So at first I was a little pissed that Archer got five games, but in retrospect I understand it a little bit because of the fact that he is essentially only missing one start. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, Puig is going to miss two actual games of play, and Archer's only going to miss one game, essentially, to play. So it kind of worked out when you think about it from that grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in a weird way, if you look at the five-game retrospect of it, it's kind of something that it's not as big of a deal in the grand scheme because four of them he wouldn't be playing anyway. So... I, I still think Puig got the worst of it, as he should have, because mm-hmm. he was a maniac yeah. on the field. Um, Dave was Dave, a psychopath. Dave oh Bell, I, Dave Bell really surprised me because I he watched was. that game live as it happened. That I, I understand he's a former player and all that and stuff like that, but at the same time, though, I've never seen a manager go out and just rip a new one into a pitcher after doing something like that. And and trust me, uh, Derek and I have talked about this before about the whole you know, the unwritten code of baseball, and sometimes it might not make sense, but throwing out a guy is, is, is something that is a common thing in baseball. And I, I don't think Archer even meant to hit him. I really did kind of think he just was kind of giving him, you know, giving you the notice, like, yeah. hey, mm-hmm. watch that, uh, it. that doesn't and happen I, here. Yeah. 
that, that doesn't happen here exactly but like I, I in the grand scheme of things like i think we got off worse uh obviously because yeah our, in, like archer is only gonna miss one game so it's mm-hmm. not as bad as some people are making it out to be but at the same time it, it's a little ridiculous because i think bell should have gotten a little bit more because he is the reason that that fight even started to begin with oh yeah as a that. manager as a manager that's a that's ridiculous you should not be the one to instigate a brawl like that like I mean, that, you've got to have you got to have more control over yourself, especially because when you're leading a team, one that is doing as horrible as the Reds are right now, you got to have some sort of control for yourself. I mean, he came out of the dugout with like, like a, a bowl scene red, dude. He was out in the he was out on the field in an instant. It was crazy. And from a, and from a former player, you would think you would think that you would kind of understand a little better about you know the unwritten code of baseball. Yeah, I mean. And and don't get me wrong here. Like Archer was also in the wrong too because Archer has is a very very fiery type of competitor. When he throws a strikeout, he gets excited too. So it was only natural that Dietrich, when he hits a home run, he's going to you know rub it in his face a little bit. It's it's a natural thing. Mm-hmm. I don't mind I don't mind the rubbing in the face if you're Dietrich. Uh, to be honest, uh, my whole thing regarding him, you know, the whole entire stare down was that. This might be a little bit picky, but I feel like he stared at it a, so long that he actually like showed up with Archer a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I already told I I texted you guys the day this happened. I think what Archer did was absolutely bush league, just because of the fact that if you, as a pitcher, don't like guys staring at home runs, bat flipping to quote unquote show you up, then don't give up the home run, you know. And if you're a player who wants to do those kinds of things because you have Chris Archer, who you touched on, Malik, likes to 100, likes to celebrate strikeouts, you know, in like the fourth inning with an 0-2 or 3-2 pitch and a guy on second base. Like it's a big moment in the game. He just walks up the mound screaming. I don't mind those kinds of things. But if you're a player like Dietrich and you want to show him up because he does that, then, you know, like, don't strike out, and he won't do that. You know, it's, it goes both ways. And, you know, I, I like the bat flips. I like the celebrations of Archer. I really do. I think it adds an excitement of baseball and elements of baseball that, you know, quite frankly, takes off all the old, old-timers that just say, you know, oh, you shouldn't play the game. That's not how the game is played. It's a sport, guys. You're supposed mm-hmm. to have fun. I want to see the celebrations. I want to see the bat flips. Kids want to see the bat flips. Kids want to see a celebration because that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a game of fun. I mean, in in my opinion, I, I love the show of emotion. I love what Archer does after striking batters out. I love I love Dietrich watching a home run. I mean, the dude hit it into – he hit two into the Allegheny River. Like, yeah. oh, like, out of the stadium, literally out of the stadium. Yeah, if you do that, I don't – like, stand in the batter's box, watch it the whole way. That thing was a shot. It was a moonshot. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm also like a big fan of pitchers, you know, defending their honor on the mound. It's something that has always been going on in baseball. It's an like it's an unwritten rule. You know, if you do something in the batter's box like that, yeah, you're probably gonna get thrown at. So if you're gonna do it, be ready for it. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, to quickly interrupt you on this point. Uh, if Chris if Chris Harper was gonna hit, he's gonna hit him in cheek. He's gonna hit him in a butt. Cheek. Yeah, he didn't he throw it his head. Low, yeah, you know, and he's, he basically and you know he was aiming for it. And he missed him and it went to his back. He didn't miss inside. He didn't miss high. He didn't miss low. Yeah. He missed outside. You know, and that's kind of again that's where the whole thing started. You know, Dietrich stepped out the box and he stared him down. He's like, you're really gonna do that? You know, like of course Archer's gonna do that. You just kind of showed him up and yeah. he didn't hit you, so it's not a big deal. And I don't like. You know, and that goes to the unwritten rules thing. Like, pitchers shouldn't be allowed to do that, but they feel obliged to do that to kind of defend their honor. Again, if you don't like that, strike the guy out. Don't use the, don't use a fastball. Don't use your fastball as a weapon to try and crush somebody or throw, like, a curveball or something. But, you know, it's just, again, I think something like that's completely Bush League, especially from Archer. Uh, again, I don't mind it from Dietrich because I like the bat flips. But, you know, I think I just – the whole situation just frustrates me. It frustrates me because it should it shouldn't happen like that. It really shouldn't. I mean, like just to kind of put it in perspective, though, like so say so we say we're we're going back to like Nationals Philly. Say the next day after the first game of the series, Bryce Harper steps into the box 
um, Washington national starters, whoever it was, maybe it was going to be Corbin or Strasburg. I can't remember. But what if they would have thrown a Harper in that situation? Would it have been the same thing for you or would it have been Bush different? League. Bush League? Bush League. Okay. And I'll take, it, I'll take it a step further. I'll mm-hmm. take it a step further because you, you have these Reds. You have these Cincinnati Reds. You have the Reds brass, you know, the – the media and the fans, you have them, you have them going, I can't believe Chris Archer would do that. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, he's such, he's so, he's such a bad person. He's a bad player. He's a dirty player. He's going to go after Dietrich like that just because he bat flipped. Meanwhile, these are the same guys that defended a Rodas Chapman whenever he threw a 99 mile hour fastball up and cut his shoulder for no reason at all. No reason at all. And he did that back in 14, 15, you know, 16 right yeah. around there when Cutch was still on the team and Chapman was still a Cincinnati Red. And, the, you know, it, he did it so many times. Chapman did it so many times. It finally took Charlie Morton. The, the first inning, first batter, first pitch, just went straight for the leadoff hitter. And everyone, you know, the night after, and everyone was like, wow. Like, I can't believe finally someone did that. Like, tons of respect to Charlie Morton because of that. You know, but you can't complain about it. You can't complain about a non-hit by pitch. And you had a pitcher, and you defended him, who throws absolute gas. My ass, you're talking 99 miles an hour, and it was up by the head, which yeah. is that's. I mean, that's the, 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 in, in that just in those situations, the head is off limits. Like anything, like shoulder and above is off limits. But if you're gonna peg a guy in the in the ass cheek, like. It's just like brushing them back a little bit. All right, the watching it was a little much. So I'm just going to throw this ball at your ass cheek behind you somewhere. I'm not going to try to hit mm. you. But I don't know. That's just the way I feel. Like, I mean, I, I love the, the going back. It's just been a part of baseball for so long. Um, you know, I was yeah, I was okay yeah. with throwing an archer. Like, I mean, and go ahead. Take the L, Reds. I was just yeah. going to say, I was yeah, take that. some fire. I, I, hate, I, I hate the Reds. They're one and eight. Stay in the basement, you bums. Uh that's the fan speaking to me. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Just... <laughs> but looking at, but let's, but let's look, but let's look at it in the grand scheme of things. Like I, I'm sure a lot of people. I was pissed off when I saw that Archer got suspended five games. But let's yeah. be honest, it, it's it's one start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think one start is fair. Do you for, think it? Yeah, do you think if he was a position player? I mean, obviously the whole situation changes if he's a position player. But do you think if he's a position player like Puig, he like even gets any games at all, or he gets one game? Do you think it was five it games? Be, it would be it'd be one game. Yeah, or two. like I was gonna Probably, say. Do you yeah. think if he yeah, like I, it's five games because he's a pitcher and it makes him miss a start? Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's exactly. that's really it. And then okay. really like and really I think that's what was the attention grabbing thing to be yeah. honest with you. When you mm-hmm. see the five game thing, you're like, oh my god. But yeah, it's, it's one start. So really. Puig was the one that got off worse on it, and Puig, Puig deserved it. Yeah. Puig, I mean, he, he, he started he the whole thing. He escalated to a level that David Bell shouldn't have escalated yeah. to. And, he, you know, and it just, you know, it, caught, it just caught this giant scene. And, again, baseball fights are crazy because there's rarely any ever punches thrown. But, you know, if, they're, if you're going to escalate something like that, you might as well just start throwing punches. I mean, he yeah, he was the, even he know. did throw a punch. He he like you can see in the he, the video he like when he got away from Bato and he got past Barnhart like he was throwing. I don't know who he was throwing punches at. I don't know who he was going Tom after. Prince. I don't know Tom who he was Prince. going after, but he was throwing. He threw like two or three punches when he first got does like tackled. Even, does anyone know why he was so angry? No, I have no clue. He just like I, like he literally went right after Archer when he came out of the dugout. And then I'm assuming like something was said because the, through the entire video, like he's being held back by Joey Votto and Melky Cabrera, mostly Joey Votto. Cabrera's trying to calm him down a little bit. And then he gets away from Votto. Uh, Barnhart, the, catch, the Cincinnati Reds catcher, I can't, can't think of his first name. I think it's Tucker maybe. Tucker. Tucker, yeah, Tucker, Tucker Barnhart yeah. tries to pull like a Joe Thomas and block him. I don't know. Did you guys see the tweet? Like he tweeted the video at Joe Thomas and was like, what do you think? Can I get some Can I get some advice here? Like where, where do you think I messed <laughs> up? Which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, and then. like bad for him. Like your spine's down. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he gets around. He's too hard he's a catcher. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then he gets around Barnhart and then. Then that's where you see like the famous photo from the fight, um, where like Trevor Williams is like yelling at him in this like pose, and he like just bearded face, just screaming at Puig. I don't know, I don't know why Puig was mad, um, but he was that he definitely threw some punches. So I thought his suspension was going to be a little longer than two games. But in but in, in retrospect, when you realize that Archer's only missing one start and yeah. Dell's missing one game, mm-hmm. Puig got the worst of it. So yeah, exactly. Kind of the way mm-hmm. you have to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and then the. 
it basically like I feel like the fight kind of settled Archer down. I mean, they came back. The Bucks ended up scoring two runs in the bottom half of the inning, and they scored three more in the fifth. I mean, from fans' perspective, guys, what did you think of this win? Um, just from listening to the radio and stuff like that, it seemed like this that fight like really brought this team together even more than what they already were. Yeah, they rallied around it too, and mm-hmm. uh, they did such a good job that they drove the starting pitcher for the other team out, got to yeah. the bullpen, and just knocked them silly. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm a bit—I actually am a big believer in stuff like that that happens to ra- that the team rallies around it. I believe when a manager gets tossed, the team rallies around it naturally because that's the leader yeah. who gets tossed offending you that you have to like kind of you know get yourself together and win mm-hmm. one for him or see something where like a guy where like a, a brawl breaks out and you're defending the honor of uh, your pitcher and all that i i believe that's a common thing and it's nice to see the pirates do something like that because dre touched on this i remember when our tra- chapman drilled cutch that's something that was talked about in the media for so long about that about how there was no retaliation about it and yeah and that's your superstar you gotta protect him Right, oh, yeah. so the, it, it's it's a lot different now, and uh, I remember seeing reports afterwards that Trevor Williams looks like a, looks like a stud in that clubhouse just for the fact that he talked down to Puig like that. So, oh yeah, that, I and, think I think this is something that is good. It will rally the team moving forward. Uh, obviously, if Kevin Newman's not playing shortstop, but that's for another time. Uh, <laughs> ahead, right? um, yeah, and uh, one player in particular I want to really touch on outside of Trevor Williams, uh, you know. Uh, I want to touch on Josh Bell because Josh Bell was really the first person who stepped in front of Archer, you know, because he's closest to the he's closest to the field. When he saw when he saw the when he saw the dugouts and bullpens empty, he got in front. He stood right there. To me, that says a lot about you know how he feels about it. He he's not very vocal, you know. He's not like you know he's not on Twitter like Trevor Williams might be one of the best Twitter followers I've ever seen. Uh, from an athlete you know he's just hilarious he's awesome you know and that's who he is personality where uh josh bell's a little calm cool demeanor you know uh level headed by example yeah yeah Mm -hmm. he came out there and he stood right in front of him and then i don't want to say it's the next opportunity i'm not i can't really remember when it was but for him to just absolutely hit that bomb shot over the you know the batter's eye i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it was after the brawl like you know that says, definitely yeah, was, that says, yeah. Again, goes back to leading by example, you know. He, he was in this fight, steps in the middle, and then comes back and just absolutely smacks one right over there. It's like, yeah. And then, best part about it is he didn't dare, like Dietrich, like, you know, because, again, he's calm, cool demeanor, but he didn't need to because the landing said all he needed to know. It just said, every, it just said everything that you needed to know regarding, you know, Josh Bell. And I was I, that, that made me that made me feel – very good about you know where he is where he's at right now as a player oh yeah i mean he, he's one of the it's it seems like he's one of the leaders in that clubhouse and i'm i'm pretty sure that home run was like one of the one of the like top five longest in pnc park history from what i heard yeah, on the radio was. i think it was like, i think it was second to be exact so yeah like, just as far as 45 like they, 474. they were rallying for like an extra 10 11 feet or something like that um on the radio it was pretty funny um but I mean, at heart of the order, guys, we we aren't just a Red Sox and a Pirates podcast. Even though the two top stories this season or this podcast so far have been Pirates Red Sox. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's yeah, a coincidence. Yeah, we try, we try to be a very open-minded <laughs> podcast when it comes to baseball. Um, so I did just want to throw that out real quick. But we we can get into the rest of the league because there are 28 other teams in the league. Um, but right now, we, I kind of want to go through the, the, the division leaders for you guys so far. So, in the AL East, we have the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Yes, we Tampa, do. Tampa Bay Rays, actually, sorry. Uh, at 8-3. Why are you putting sorry. Devil in there? My bad, my <laughs> bad. Tampa Bay Rays, 8-3. and three. Dre, I'm pretty sure you're happy about that. The Detroit Tigers are leading the AL Central at 7-3. and three. The Mariners, the Seattle Mariners, I want to touch on these guys. They are leading the AL West at a record of 10-2. and two. Um, Yeah. All right, uh, the National League East, the Philadelphia Phillies, Bryce Harper, 7-2. and two. Milwaukee Brewers are leading the NL Central right now at 8-3. and three. And the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, are leading the, the National League West at 8-3. and three. Guys, have there been any teams that have kind of surprised you so far this season, guys that have underperformed other than the Red Sox? Um, give me your breakdown. Who do you think we should watch going into the season? Are any of these teams sustainable? Do you see them keeping this, this pace up? Um, what do you think? 
Well, I mean, I, I touched on this earlier when I mentioned uh, Bellinger and Seager. I am fully on board with the Dodgers uh, keeping that same pace that they're going with right now. This is the team that I think is going to go to the World Series this year. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I, I got to be honest, like, I mean, this is a team that I think is stacked from top to bottom with lineup and bench. I think they have a great rotation and a solid bullpen. This is definitely the team that I think is going to finish strong. I'm a little surprised that the Nationals haven't been playing as well as they should have. I think this is a. I think it's arguably the most the best team in the East. I think to me, I actually was the one that said that they're going to win the division, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were competing for the pennant. But I think it's still early in the season. I think the rotation is just kind of getting their feet under the feet under themselves, and also this is a young lineup. I think uh, Soto is still kind of figuring himself out, and Robles is also trying to get himself ready to go. So. I think there's still time for that, but I'm still going to go with uh, my original pick, and I think the Nationals will win the East. Yeah, and I like that pick. It, it's I funny because like the, the Dodgers are doing it without Clayton Kershaw, too. Like, he's he's on the injured list yeah. right now. He hasn't made a start. So, it's funny. I mean, they're 8-3 and three without their ace. Um, so, that should be interesting as the season, season goes on. I mean, you have Cody Bellinger leading the way out there, though. Um, the guy's going to be a stud as the year goes on. Um, Dre, who do you got out there? Um, I know you probably want to talk about the Rays. I know you want to talk about the Rays, Dre. Oh, I definitely – now I'm going to talk about the Rays. I mentioned this earlier <laughs> in the show that I'm going to hold off. Now I'm going to talk about the Rays. <laughs> this is the best This is the best starting staff in baseball, and i got to be honest. We put them, I put them in the wild card. You guys call me crazy. You know, I said that sentence, like, I'll probably say it every week until, you know, they're knocked off. But, guys, they got, leg- they got a legitimate shot at this division right now. Uh, right, and, now. Right, now. Know, right, right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now they do. And, you know, i got to emphasize it right now, but, you know, this could – this is 100% sustainable, by the way, because they have the best starting pitching and bullpen in baseball. Uh, when you, Dre, are you su- Dre, are you surprised they haven't utilized the opener? I am a little bit surprised they have not utilized the opener because they're the ones that introduced it. <laughs> Maybe they just did that again because they're like, oh, we're going to try and revolutionize, you know, the pitching by throwing a reliever out there, you know, because the numbers say this. But them not and then not using it's like, hey, we know it's not going to work. You know, secretly maybe they know. Like again, I mentioned this when I put them in, when I mentioned this back when we did the ALEs preview. They are always a step ahead of everybody. They have been that way for a long, long time since Friedman was there. Before when Friedman was there, they were, and then you know since he's been gone, they kind of been there. They've been waiting in the wings, but I think now is their time to break out. When you have a Cy Young winner and Blake Snell and the way Charlie Moore in pitching. Tyler Glass now actually looks like he's something, uh, something very, very good. I mean, we're talking about Diaz. So far, Tyler Glass now, this pains me to say, uh, he's not 11 innings. He only has 10 strikeouts, which tells me he's probably pitching a little bit more to contact because he has a whip of one and an ERA of .82. Like, yeah, he's like the opposite of the pitcher that we saw <laughs> rising up through the minors. It's weird. It's all. It's all kinds of twisted but if anybody could figure it out it's them and you can go to their bullpen you know they got Chaz Rowe out there with four holes you know he's their setup guy and as soon as he comes out it's already lights out and Alvarado my goodness guys that lefty throws gas in his ball his his fastball just goes absolutely everywhere it's impossible to pick up off the bat and it's coming in 99 100 miles an hour like that's that's all kinds of shutdown if you're the Tampa Bay Rays and then you go to their offense as well like Tommy Pham and the other guy, the other guy in this Pirates Orchard trade, <laughs> Awesome Meadows, who just homered again today, are leading this offense. You knew Tommy Pham was going to do something because, you know, he had he had it when he was in St. Louis. You know, a change of scenery with doing some good and plus playing in a league where, you know, it's predominantly offense. Uh, he should get the opportunity to kind of bounce back because we saw what he was capable of. Awesome Meadows finally getting a shot is what's really helping this club because he's leading them in batting average, home runs, and RBIs as a team with 308, three homers, and 10 ribbies. He's off to a towards, he's off to a great start for them. And, you know, you need a guy like that. Uh, you know Tommy Pham can produce, but you need another guy to kind of step up. And Austin Meadows, I always thought it was for real, guys. He is 100% for real, and I don't see him going away anytime soon. With those guys, and, you know, you need others to step up, but with those guys – you know, helping carry the load, plus that pitching, to pair with the fact that the Yankees are very hurt right now and the Red Sox are sluggish out of the gate. The 
the window's wide open to go and get this division. Three teams from the AL East make the playoffs, you think? I uh, I said that from the start. I, I still think all three teams are going to make it, but you might see a change in the order. Uh, I believe I had Yankees, Red Sox, Rays. Uh, right now, I would go Rays. I'd go Rays, imagine, Yankees, Red Sox. Imagine a Yankees-Red Sox wild card game. Oh, my God. That would God. be awesome. <laughs> oh that would be God. awesome. I would love to be there in person, but we'll see. Who knows? We'll have to talk Ball about Deke. games are stressful. Yeah, we'll have to talk about Deke. That. Maybe you can get us some tickets or something. Maybe you can, you know, dig into the budget, get us some tickets. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, he's a, he's a huge baseball guy. Um, huge <laughs> baseball guy. <laughs> he'll definitely do it. Um, but one team I want to talk about, I, I kind of mentioned it while I was going through the division leaders, but the Seattle Mariners. Are these guys for real? Like, they're 10-2 and two already. You know, they, they went to Japan. They opened in the season in Japan, Ichiro retired, but they're ten and two. And I want to go through a couple of things real quick. Their pitching hasn't been amazing, middle of the tier, but through twelve games, they are first in runs at ninety eight, first in hits at one twenty three, first in home runs at thirty two. Um, they are first in RBIs at ninety seven, eight more than any other team. Um, they're fourth in average, and they're first in RBIs, which is, or sorry. Eight more home runs than the Dodgers. First in RBIs at 97, which is 14 more than the Dodgers. And then they're four, fourth in average. Are these guys for real, guys? Is this team for real? Do you think they can keep this up? I'm not ready up? to go that route yet. <laughs> I, I, I I'm think, not. <laughs> I think I'm a little hesitant as well. Yeah, I mean, I am. But, like, if they, they start the season off 10-2, and two, this offense is just firing on all cylinders. Um, the pitching is there, but it isn't there. It's, like, middle of the road. Like, I just – where did these guys come from, I guess, is my question. Like, did did you guys see them starting off this hot? No, I. It, this is one of the weirder teams for me because looking into the season, I thought Jerry Tapoto was totally, like, ready to have this team as a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Like, to, absolute, complete rebuild. I mean, they traded away Paxton. They traded away Edwin Diaz. They traded away um, Robinson Cano. I mean, mostly because to get that salary off the books. But at yeah. the same time, though, like – I, I was not expecting this much from them. I saw King Felix as a shell of himself. I, I mean, I see Kyle Seeger as, you know, a, a building block for them, but not someone who could be a franchise-changing type of player. And don't get me wrong, I love me some Jay Bruce, but, like, after watching him for so many years and Cincinnati not live up to the potential, I was down on him. So seeing this offense just woof the way it has been, it kind of makes you rethink how underrated the Mariners were last year. And, and you forget, too. Mariners led the um, Major League Baseball last year in one-run games. Yeah. So uh, this was a team that really had to scratch and claw in order to sneak out a lot of those victories. So the fact that they're off to a, a hot start right now, it's kind of like they're improving on what we saw last year. And uh, credit to DePoto so far. He apparently has an idea of how to build this offense on not really big contracts or anything like that, but it's working. I don't think they'll be able to sustain it because, like I said, you still have the Houston Astros, mm-hmm. who are probably one of the most talented lineups and rotations in all of baseball. You still have the Angels with Mike Trout and uh, his crew. And then you still got the A's who are sneaking around right there, too, because the A's are not someone that you want to take lightly either. But yeah. it's, a, it's a great story. I will definitely give you that. Is it sustainable? I'm not ready to say that just yet. I want to wait until end of May before I'm willing to even look at that again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, this goes back to the cautiously, the cautiously optimistic mentality that you should have if you're a Red Sox fan. You should also kind of have this if you're a Mariners fan because uh, a great offense is awesome. These are these are guys that aren't really household names outside of D. Gordon. I mean, Edwin Carnacion, you know, he's been, you know, he's he's had his time, but I think he's a little over the hill right now. You know, and he's not being used as much. He mm-hmm. only has 34 bats. You know, and you know he's a guy. A guy like Jay Bruce, like uh, like Malik said, Jay Bruce. You know, and Cincy, he was known as like a 250 hitter, and he had the power. But you know, right now he's he has six homers. Like he's up, he's up near the league leaders right now. Um, and again, you want to be cautious because of guys like that. Guys like Tim Beckham. Tim Beckham was a number one overall pick, and people, a lot of people forget that, yep. you know, and for, for him to kind of now put this all together, you know, that's a good story, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he had the talent, couldn't find the talent, and all of a sudden he has the talent. It's just like, I understand you develop late, but, like, we're talking about a very late development from the number one overall pick. Like, mm-hmm. you know, very late. 
he's shown he's shown in the past that he wasn't able to put it together. So, you know, it's again we talk about sustainability. Uh, the reason why you should be, I guess, the reason why you should be, you know, a little bit optimistic is because you know they have it. They have a true identity, and that's good. You know, they're they're a team that's going to come out. And they're gonna they're gonna slug they're gonna slug it all over the park. Uh, and by the way, they're they're doing this without Kyle Seeger, who is currently injured. By the way, yeah. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. He, and that's you know that that should be that should be very relieving because Kyle Seeger is a guy who you know you should look at as sort of like the leader on this team uh, because he's he's been there essentially the longest outside of Felix Hernandez. Great. When you bring up Tim Beckham, I, it's not necessarily out of the realm that he wouldn't finally figure it out after this point. I mean, he was drafted number one overall in 2008, I believe, but. He was 18 years old, so I mean yeah. he's been he's been in the league as of right now. He struggled to get to the majors, but I mean he's 29 or 30, which if you think about it, is kind of in that main window of your prime area right yeah. there. So I mean, I mean he kind of he he's kind of at the point now right now where you would think that everything that he's kind of learned in the game and all the ups and downs that he's gotten there that he should be able to put something together to be able to be a consistent hitter. I mean, yeah, but we're talking we're talking about 400 clip here, batting. Yeah was and on mm-hmm. base of 4.89 like that's again that's like Mike Trout type territory when we talk about how good somebody is like I understand number one overall pick you know and which by the know, way was it, a reach what was a reach when that happened yeah. it was it that. was a reach I actually went back and saw that draft that's really funny yeah uh, no, that I, was a massive reach that was the Pedro Alvarez Buster Posey draft and Eric Cosmer <laughs> draft by the way yeah uh which you know very very unfortunate but <laughs> but you know, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're a Mariners fan, I'd be cautiously optimistic just because again, uh, not household names, but at the same time, like a true identity where you know, whenever you come, whenever you come to Safe Field or whenever they go to your home ball uh, to the away ballpark, like they're uh, they're going to swing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. They changed the name. Uh, bottom liners are gonna go and try and slug it all over the field. Yeah, and that's cool. I mean, so <laughs> <laughs> the the sample sizes might still be small this early on in the season, but something happened last night that um, has taken place over the last course of the last season. Um, Chris Davis is now gone forty nine straight at bats without a hit, um, surpassing um, an old record set in two thousand ten. Um, guys, he hasn't got a hit in 49 at bats. Henio uh, Suarez, by the way, was the last yeah, guy. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name. I was like blanking you know, on you, it. You know what's funny? I saw an article today on SI.com where uh, they were talking to Chris Davis, and this was before the streak, by the way. They said, what were they, what was he going to do to change this year to kind of get yeah. himself in a better mindset? And I believe his, his response was, I'm just going to go out there and try to have fun. I don't think he's having fun. Yeah. Not, not, you, not in the slightest. You can't be having fun without a hit and 49 straight at bats. I mean, baseball is a game of highs and lows, and it's a game where you will fail most of the time. Like, it's a game that you fail pretty much, what, 70, 60, 70% of the time, somewhere in there. Yeah. Like, that's considered good. Yeah. Have, <laughs> have, we, have we ever seen someone get such a, a sharp decline so quickly? From Chris Davis. People I mean, just figured him out. Like they lost, he lost his edge pretty much. Like yeah, it, it's crazy. Like that year that he earned that contract was absurd mm-hmm. and in terms of power number wise. Like he hit oh, he hit about fifty home runs that year. I'm yeah. Sure. So he so, so in two thousand thirteen he hit fifty three, and then uh-huh. he finished third in the the AL MVP voting. Two thousand fifteen he hit forty seven, um, and then he signed a seven year one hundred sixty one million dollar contract. And then last year, he set an MLB record by hitting for 168, which was the lowest average ever by a qualified hitter. Oh. Like, I like I remember the year. I remember 2013 when he was just mashing the ball all over the ballpark. Like, it was he was awesome. He was so much fun to watch. But I think teams just figured him out. Like, I mean, he's a big guy. He swings a lot. Um, strikes out a lot. Like, Forty. Well, got him done almost. It's either yeah. you strike out, you hit a double, or you fly out. He's kind of just, just. Yeah. It's just crazy to me, guys. <laughs> to go over for forty nine. Uh, you know that's that's borderline impressive if you think about it. Yeah. I know. I know. And I know it dates back to last year, but you know we're we're two weeks into the season here, and he still hasn't collected a hit. And he's a guy who was in the lineup every day, uh, I believe, except for today. They were they already came out and said they're going to bench him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think. 
I think the worst thing in the world, if you're Chris Davis, but the funniest thing, if you're, you know, if you're a fan of Major League Baseball or whatever, is like, whenever he got that record, uh, the Orioles, the Orioles fans actually clapped for him. And you know, <laughs> I think that's I, they like cheered him. Really that. They that like that is really funny if you're a fan. <laughs> it's just like oh, they know what's going on. They understand it. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna take this in stride. We're gonna celebrate this. And I'll look at the they're not gonna have team. much else to celebrate. <laughs> they're really not. You know, I said in my predictions that this team is gonna lose 120 games. You know, and. <laughs> I still believe that that's entirely possible because, again, we have the Red Sox talking about starting slowly, the Yankees injured, uh, you know, and they haven't seen anybody in the division yet. Uh, so they're doing a lot of damage outside the division. I'm just shocked that they're able to even put some wins together with a guy like Chris Davis, who essentially right now looks like the worst contract in Major League Baseball history. Oh, uh, based, off, based off the drop-off in production, you have that guy just absolutely – clogged mentally where he can't figure this out and that really sucks because that's the guy you're actually putting there as the anchor of your lineup if this becomes the number two highlight of the Orioles season behind in june when they draft adley rushman number one overall that's pretty sad it is sad but that just shows the state of the baltimore orioles as a franchise Mm -hmm. i always thought i thought chris davis earned his contract you know, based off that, he's a guy that you kind of had to pay. But, you know, I feel like I feel like it was that exact contract that you could maybe say that changed the Caused course it. of yeah. how contracts are viewed right now. Mm-hmm. That's very – that's pretty true, actually, because yeah. uh, it was a huge extension when he got it at the time, especially think, from a small market. Mm-hmm. I think it was 10 years. It was maybe – it was double digits maybe. I think it was like eight, 8 to 10 years and then $250 million. And then since then – it's just been a it's been a steady decline. We're not that's, talking a free fall, if you will. That's that buyer beware mentality now yep. with small market teams. With regardless when it comes to contracts, that's why teams are now essentially terrified to go for it. Like you got to be example when you see examples like this with a small market team that gambles on it and it just blows up in their face like that. It's no wonder you see teams that are afraid to give big contracts. Now. Like you got to be a hundred percent correct on a player. Like it's 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 wild to see. I mean, and that's why you see guys like Mike Trout, who's more than likely gonna pan out. I mean, <laughs> he's shown it through the first couple of years of his career. But like that's why he's getting the contract he is. But when you have a guy like Chris Davis, who has, I mean, I can't remember what his career was like before that season where he hit fifty three home runs. But I, I, I have it up right now. Okay, uh, what was it? Before Look at you. Before 53 at age 27, uh, I'm just going to give you the home run totals uh, dating from his age 22 season, which was his rookie year. So he had 17, 21, and then he must have been hurt a lot because he only played – he didn't play any more than 60 games out of those years in Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he had one, five, three, two homers, uh, two homers being his first year in Baltimore – uh, looks like he was traded midseason in 2011. And then in 2012, all of a sudden just magically put this together, 33 homers, 83, 85 RBIs, and then leading up to the 53-138 homer RBI season. So, I mean, he, just, I, like, like retrospective, I mean, he kind of just put it all together one year and then fell apart <laughs> a couple yeah, years but, later. Yeah, like Essentially, that's the way to look at it. Yeah, but I believe he signed that contract in age, uh, age 29. And, uh, you know, the age 27 season was the 53 homer uh, season. Mm-hmm. And 127 games uh, the year after he went 26 and 72. I believe he got suspended for Adderall that year. And yep. then uh, – yep. The age 29 season, which I believe is where he got the contract, 47 and 117. So you have you have four years of 30 plus, you know, close to 30, 40, 50, even 50 homer seasons in there. Like you have a span of you know consistent production. But again, you're talking you're talking about an age 29 player, and now you got that 10 year deal, and it just looks like it looks absolutely awful. But I think the worst part about this is they actually had a player there who was worth every single penny. And that was Manny Machado. And they and, couldn't pay him because yep. they gave it all to Chris Davis. Yep. That's a tough pill to swallow. Definitely. I mean, it just kind of shows who the Orioles are. Kind of shitty. <laughs> yep. uh, <laughs> um, but that is all the time we have tonight, guys, for another episode of Heart of the Order. 
um, stay tuned for further episodes in the future. Uh, normally record on Tuesdays, release on Wednesdays. Um, a lot of things, a lot of things to be excited about for this MLB season. Um, stay tuned. See all of our, all of our content on thoughtsfromthebench.com. <coughs> Uh, where I have a few articles. Dre posted his first blog the other week. Um, hopefully we see some more soon. Dre, what do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, and if it's shameless plug time, be on the lookout for there you go. my my first and only mock draft coming up here. Today. <laughs> uh, Ooh! I, I, I decided I'm only going to do one uh, because there's a lot of craziness that goes into the draft, uh, you know, with the combine, you know, things like that, where you have guys failing tests and injuries and you know biggest part about it is draft day trades but yes i will write i'll be i will be writing my mock draft release on draft day look at you i'm so excited for this <laughs> uh what you got I'm for excited you, to release it what you got for us malik uh obviously check out two beers deep the uh original podcast from heart of the order we drop our audio show uh, we record monday drop it on tuesday and obviously every thursday we do our live recording on facebook watch this week is our live show from scratch food and beverage in troy hill it's gonna be a fun show come out i'll be there so- thank god <laughs> last month come enjoy some delicious wings have a beer and uh, obviously, we'll bring you up and uh, talk some sports or whatever else you want to talk about for uh, a special two-hour edition. We will not be releasing the audio, obviously. This is Facebook only, or unless you want to come and support us. Awesome. Also, uh, check out other podcasts we have on ThoughtsFromTheBench.com, including The Funny Thing About Sports with Benny Buckets. Um, absolutely hilarious. And then we also have Draft Day, which is one of the original podcast ideas on thoughts from the bench that greg og greg and our fearless fearless leader deke came up with when they first started um we put a couple episodes out i'm actually horrible at drafting so if you want <laughs> if you want to like hear something funny and like see how bad i am at drafting check it out um it's, it's absolutely pretty fun um we drafted drinks and food and brunch menus in the, this last one but we've also done a lot of sports related drafts and things like that it's absolutely hilarious um, that is all we have time for today, guys. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Heart of the Order. Um, we'll be back next week with more baseball news, stories, things like that. But until then, have a great night. You guys, you want to say bye? Wait. And the DH, keep the DL. Night, guys.